You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Mandy Wilmore received a scholarship to play basketball at college. While in Hawaii for a tournament, she would become paralyzed surfing. At first, she wanted nothing to do with wheelchair basketball, but that mindset would eventually change. For the past two years, she has attended the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater to obtain her MBA and would play for the women's wheelchair basketball team there. She is now part of the women's national team. In addition, she is a program manager at GLASA, a Move United member organization in Chicago. So, Mandy, uh, it was great to meet you and spend some time with you at the Abilities Expo not too long ago in Chicago. Um, I wanted to just start by, you know, maybe for those that, that uh, don't know you or, or who you are, um, uh, let's talk about how how you got the, how how you incurred the spinal cord injury. Yeah, so it, I was uh, playing collegiate basketball prior to paralysis at South Dakota School of Mines and Technology, um, and we were out in Hawaii for a basketball invitational tournament. And I was out surfing, um, and it's a super rare condition called surfer's myelopathy. Uh, the hyperextension of my back on the surfboard for a prolonged period of time um, pinched off a blood vessel that spined my spinal cord. So it was non-traumatic. Um, I didn't have to have surgery and it wasn't instant paralysis. It took a couple of hours um, before it was complete paralysis. Um, and I am a T9 uh, paraplegic um, complete spinal cord injury. So, Yeah, and it, that... I, that's the first time I've heard of that that particular uh, injury, and so and so must definitely be rare. How how what were you experiencing, or 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 what were you thinking it was when you were when you were going through that initial paralysis? And, and yeah, it, it was um, it was super confusing. Um, I didn't really know like when I first started surfing, my back hurt a little bit, but the instructor was like, "Oh, just stretch it out," you know. And I, you know, being an athlete, I figured, oh, I just maybe my back's tight or, you know, not really sure what's going on, but. Um, or you pinched was, the nerve or just. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And then once I finished my surfing lesson um, and I got out onto the beach, I knew something was wrong. Like my back hurt really bad. Like I was crying and my legs felt weird. They felt numb. And then as I was like walking back to the hotel, like my legs continually just kept getting more and more numb. And even when the ambulance came, it was a really weird experience because they were like, what happened? And like, I, you know, was trying to rack my brain of like, I don't know, like, and at that time, like I was, I was like, I don't know, maybe I heard a pop. I, I wasn't 100% sure. But the interesting thing is that even when I got to the hospital, they knew, even though it's a super rare condition, only like 30 people have it. Um, a lot of the cases happen in Hawaii. Um, mm. And so when I got to the hospital, the doctor that I was assigned to already had like pre-diagnosed or was always already like kind of aware that he was suspect suspecting that this is what it was. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really just confusing time. Like I didn't, 
you know, it wasn't anything like traumatic that I could just be like, oh, well, I fell off the board and, you know, broke my back or something like that. It wasn't, um, it wasn't tangible and it was really quite confusing um, for a while. And it was, it was extremely painful. Um, Like my nerves were just dying off um, or like kind of like grasping for air for oxygen, like, ah, feed us oxygen. And um, so it was extremely painful for the first uh, while after. Yeah. It's good that the doctor was at least aware of of that condition because otherwise it's like, did a wave come down and and crash in the wrong way or did you hit your board or, or what? So at least the doctor was aware of that and uh and you didn't have to spend forever trying to you know diagnose what the heck was going on <laughs> yeah and were you uh were you uh or did you do this on your off time i mean because i know that when you go to a tournament um you know not you know you're obviously busy with a lot of practices and games so so it was just like a uh, and a free afternoon or a free, you know, morning or what? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm super competitive, which is why I'm, you know, in adaptive sport now um, and love it so much. So I went out a couple of days before the rest of the team was supposed to come out. And I knew that we were going to be surfing as a team. And so uh-huh. I went out and I was like, I'm going to get some practice. I'm not going to tell anybody about it and then show up for the team practice and just be riding the waves while they're all just trying to still figure it out. Um <laughs> And then so, like, yeah, I didn't I know was... Mandy was that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wanted to act like a natural. Um, so yeah, I went out. I had my finals finished before some of the other girls on the team, and so I went out a couple uh, a couple days early with my grandparents, and thankfully they were out there with me um, because the the hospital experience was it was pretty crazy, and I was super um, super thankful that I had family there to help support me through that time. Um, so. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult time for anyone, and 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 as you said, even a confusing time when you have no idea what what's going on. So it's always great to have you know family and friends or anybody around you when that happens. So you you mentioned obviously you played ball uh, before your your injury. Uh, did you play like how? When did you start playing basketball? How early? And obviously, um, I assume all the way through high school, and and you said at the collegiate level. So when did you start? Uh, I started, oh, it's little as I can remember. My my family's like big basketball buffs. My my grandpa had me out there dribbling with a basketball when I was like three or four. Um, <laughs> and basketball, like throughout the, you know, trials of junior high and high school and like the struggles that come with that and and everything, like trying to fit in and figure out who you are. Basketball was really like my therapy, like it was like my best friend. A lot of the times, like the gym was just where I could just go and in just completely just get lost in, in the fun and in, in, in the, the aspect of it, I could let stuff go, or I could just pretend to be some, like, you know, just try to do moves like Michael Jordan. Like, you know, I never, I knew I was never going to get that good, but it's like, I could take on a new persona or I could be um, in a space where I felt like I could be completely, completely myself, which in high school, like it was, it was tough at times um, really trying to figure out who I was and um, how I wanted to operate and show up in the world. And so that was always kind of my safe, safe space. And so how did you choose uh, the college in terms of when, like when you realized that obviously you, you were going to be able to play at the collegiate level? How did you how did you choose a college? 
Yeah. So back when I was looking at colleges, it was before a lot of the platforms that exist now um, were there. So I had to put like reels of CDs together of like highlights of me and send them out. And I had a couple of colleges that I was interested in going to. Um, one was Regis University, um, which comes into my story later. Um, but then South Dakota School of Mines and Technology was just such a wonderful school. Um, and even though it was an engineering school, they also had a fantastic like pre-med um, degree there. And that's what I was pursuing when I went and I decided to go there. The, the culture felt really great. Um, co my coach at the time, Coach Barb, she had been there for, oh, I think like 30 years mm. and, and just established like it was a really tight knit um, awesome community. Like when we came in as fre freshmen, we got what was called like rocker parents, which is essentially like families within the community that kind of bring you in and, you know, have you over on Thanksgiving because you can't go home because there's a Thanksgiving classic mm -hmm. over the weekend. So it's just really like, it, it, even though I was away from home, like there was this aspect of it felt like supportive and, and an environment that I wanted to be in. And so that's why between the school and then how it felt um, there at the school. It was my deciding factor to go. Mm. And, and so when, uh, when you had your spinal cord injury, what was your, what was your thinking in terms of your future sport uh, activities at that time? Yeah. Uh, I, so I, after I spent a week in the hospital at Hawaii, it was around Christmas time. So Craig hospital, who's usually packed and has a wait list, um, actually had an opening because they had sent somebody home that they felt was ready to go. And so I went to Craig hospital and I rehabilitated there for two months. And that was really awesome. They gave me, you know, so many tools and classes and driving lessons and everything that I was going to need to, to, you know, navigate my life after being in the hospital. Um, and then at that point in time, they did to bring in, um, people that played adaptive sport at other places and basketball was one that they brought in because they knew it was a big part of my life. And, um, I just wasn't in the space to really be receptive or open to playing because they put me in a basketball chair and, um, I could barely even sit up for like 45 minutes at that point. And then they gave me a basketball and I was anticipating it to feel how I felt when I was in the gym. And it was so frustrating. Like I couldn't even make a layup and it was like, okay, I'll try other sports. I'll do other things, but basketball is just not, it's just not going to be for me. Um, because I had spent so much time like perfecting that sport that, and then it just was like, I was back at square one again. And so, um, yeah, I, and it was, I was, so it was more mental. It was like mental, right? It was like, yeah. I, I, was it like, how, this is how I, you know, I played really well, you know, before my injury and, and because of the level of frustration, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't think I can go back to that. Or, I mean, what was the, was that yeah. the reasoning? So, yeah, a little bit of that. And then also too, like in my brain, like I just thought wheelchair basketball would just not be as fun if, you know, it, it, I was super new to my injury. I didn't really even know what life was going to look like for me. And I just couldn't fathom that I would have fun, um, mm -hmm. playing, playing basketball in a chair. Like I just, I was so unaware and just new to disability in general. Um, and kind of had my own, 
ideas of what I thought disability was um, at the time, which over the years I've really been able to unpack and um, realize that there's there's so much more and it's kind of why I'm so passionate about what I do for work and how we show up in the community because I think it's so important to challenge the perception of disability and um, what it looks like or what it can look like for people. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because our podcast is called Redefining Disability. So that's <laughs> exactly what we're trying to trying to do for uh, the, the not only for folks uh, not only for disabled individuals and athletes, but but for the the greater population. So, uh, are, if if you're comfortable or if you will, what what are some of the thoughts that you were thinking about about disability? Because because I think that that the work that you do and the work that we do uh, dispels all of the, you know, a lot of those perceptions and illusions on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I, for, well, for one, I didn't know that there was like college wheelchair basketball. So Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't know about the Paralympics. Um, I also really wasn't sure what my dating life was going to be like, or if people would want to date me. Um, Mm -hmm. and just really like, I knew that, after I got out of the hospital that I was going to be able to navigate life. I just didn't know in what capacity that would look like. Like I knew I had drive and passion and I still had my, you know, ability to go into an office and things think outside the box and work. Um, but I just didn't really know like in what capacity that would look like. Um, and you know, I, I grew up in a small town in Wyoming that there wasn't a lot of people with disability in the community, um, to kind of have those ideas challenged while I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I was in Denver, I kind of found a community, but I still, all of my friends and everybody I hung out with, they, they didn't have disabilities either. So I found myself still trying to like live or perceive my life in a certain way. Um, in, in wheelchair basketball, like once I found that like mm-hmm. a few years ago, it like opened up my mind to so many things. Um, I think, you know, I challenged within the first two years, I challenged my perception of like what I can and can't do. I realized instantly that like, yeah, I might not be able to stand up and grab something off of the shelf, but like I'm resourceful and there's grabbers and there's tools and there's things. And like, there's not really anything that I, if I truly wanted to do that, I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but still for a long time, because I didn't get into sports, I think I was like a little bit hesitant to bring that part out of myself and integrate that in to my disability. But once I started to do that, that's when like my, my mind and my world changed and shifted of like literally anything and everything that I could ever fathom or want to do is at the tip of my hands. And like my life in an essence could like be so much more, um, fulfilling and impactful and purposeful than it ever I had ever even imagined before I I acquired my disability. Yeah. And that, and that fire that you have and, and had didn't go, didn't go out, didn't go away. The pilot light might need to be needed to be lit again, maybe, but, but it was still there. Right. Yeah. 
And so you talked about, so what are some of the other sports before we talk about, you know, going back uh, before we talk about wheelchair basketball, what are some of the other sports that you did play? And then, and then the follow-up question is then how did you eventually make your way to wheelchair basketball? Yeah. So I didn't really do much sport wise, but I did, I would go like to the, um, this place, it was called ACE and they have like pink, like a restaurant, but then they have ping pong tables and I would go and I play ping pong and that was a lot of fun. I'd also go out and go hiking because living in Denver at the time, like there's mm-hmm. tons of adaptive trails. And one of my favorite places out in Denver is actually called Wilderness on Wheels. And it was all built grant funded. Um, and it actually switched backs up the mountain for a mile. And it was one of my absolute favorite places to go and be out in nature and um just get some exercise and some sunshine and mm-hmm. some fresh air. Yeah. And then how did, how did, so eventually what, what did reel you in to wheelchair basketball? Yeah. So wilderness on wheels actually is what, what got me into wheelchair basketball. I was out there to go talk to the founder of uh, wilderness on wheels about like a potential business idea. I just wanted more places like that to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of went out, I went out there to meet with him about, you know, how they created it, where they their ideas started from. I just really wanted to get to know him and like how he networked to find the funding and, and get the land and everything. And then when I showed up for our appointment, he had, his wife had actually had uh, an emergency and he couldn't meet with me. Mm. And so I was like, well, I was with my best friend and I was like, well, we might as well do the hike. We came out here, like we might as well hike it and I can talk to you about my ideas and all the things. And so we hiked it. And on the way back down, this lady in a chair wheeled around and was like, Hey, you look athletic. And I was like, Oh, thanks. And she's like, I'm restarting up a wheelchair basketball team in Denver. There hasn't been one in three years. Like, I think you'd be perfect. And I was like, Oh, well, I, you know, I played, uh, I played basketball in college. I might like it, you know? Um, but I told her, I was like, I don't know that I want to get super competitive. I spent my whole life, like trying to be competitive at sport in basketball. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm open to now because it's been eight at that time. It'd been eight years since my injury. I'm like, I'm open to trying it again. But like, here was my first experience. It wasn't so great. So I know I'm way better in my chair and navigating life. And so hopefully I'll have a new perception. But like, I just kind of want to to set the expectations of like, I may love it. I may hate it. I don't really know. But um, having somebody that who it was actually Patty Cisneros, uh, Prevo, Prevo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, having somebody who was such a big influence in the wheelchair basketball world, also like just saying, here, I have a chair that'll fit you. You should come try it next weekend. I was like, it's too convenient of an option to like, not just go and try it. Um, and yeah, that's how I found wheelchair basketball is kind of just by chance. And I'm so glad that it did because it can that that day at Wilderness Elm Mills completely changed my life. And and what a small world to to have that random interaction with Patty because Patty's amazing and we've done a lot of she's done some things with Move United at, you know with our conferences and stuff and and the educational programs. So just to have a random uh, run in with, with Patty is, is is just you know maybe it was meant to be right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And so uh, you played there for a little while. And then how did you connect with the, the, uh, the University of Whitewater? Yeah, so I went to practice and about halfway in, Patty was like, um, 
can I take video of you? <laughs> and I was like, sure, I guess. <laughs> um, like, sure. Uh, I didn't feel like I was at that time. I didn't really feel like I was that good in my chair, but I was definitely substantially better than, you know, eight years, you know, one month uh, post injury. So um, she took some videos and then she talked to me after. Um, and she was like, can I send these, this video to a couple coaches that I know, like if, if you want, um, you can go back to school and get your master's. And like, I honestly think two years in the collegiate division will get you prepared and be the training that you like, you need chair skills wise to potentially make team USA. And like, I was on cloud nine, but I was also like, uh, at that time I was 28 years old and I had a house in Denver and a, a job that I, you know, that you, you are taught that you want to have and mm -hmm. like analyzing data wasn't anything I was passionate about, but like it paid the bills and, and I was doing what, you know, quote, I, I should be doing. Adults do, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the, the things they tell you that you, you know, should aspire to do, I was doing. And I was like, I, that'd be so irresponsible of me to just like, quit all that and go do this to maybe make team USA. Um, but like six months went by and I just kept hitting snooze every morning, mold, like more and more times, like to the point where it was like, I was having to set my alarm like an extra hour early so I could hit it snooze five, five more times. Um, and there was just this moment of like, why can't I do this? Like, why can't I go and chase after a dream? and see where it leads me and see where it takes me because where mm -hmm. I'm at right now doesn't feel purposeful. Um, it doesn't feel meaningful. And to me, like I wanted to, you know, I felt like I had a second chance at life and, and then is this really what I'm just going to do with it? You know, am I just going to analyze data and not that analyzing data is a bad thing just for me personally. Like I felt like I was given a second chance at life to, to do like to, to do something with it, to, you know, find my purpose. Um, and so I decided to, to reach out to Christina Swab, um, who's the head coach at Whitewater and is now the head coach at, uh, for Team USA. And I reached out to her and applied to Whitewater and sold my house and quit my job and started <laughs> working as a GA for Whitewater Wheelchair Athletics. And yeah, just crazy how it just all, you know, just making that one decision changed so many things for me. Yeah. There was you know, just something missing. Right. And then you were just, you there, you just wanted to, to see if you could explore something else. And I know that when we, when we had the chance to chat at uh, the abilities expo, uh, talk about uh, women's basketball at the collegiate level. Cause I know it's, I know it's growing, you know, more and more programs, um, and so, and, and Whitewater is, is both for men's and women, uh, wheelchair basketball, it's a top, you know, top-notch school for a lot of uh, athletes. So talk about it, uh, you know, wheelchair basketball at the collegiate level. It was, it wasn't, is like so amazing. Like, it, you know, by that point in time, I had, we had talked a little bit earlier on this about unpacking what I thought disability could be or was, um, and training at the collegiate level for wheelchair basketball was equivalent, if not harder than what I experienced in my younger college days playing stand-up ball. Um, you know, 
45 minutes of chair skills, like practice two hour practice every day. And then every other day or every day, like two additional two hours of scrimmage and lifting. Um, it was, it definitely filled my need and my drive for like fitness, which has always been a thing. Like even before I found adaptive sport, like I was still lifting and in the gym all the time. And so it just was, I was like, okay, this is what I was looking for. This is what I signed up for. This is pretty awesome. And and before we leave college, so what 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 did you get your bachelor's in, and what did, what what is your uh, graduate degree? Yeah, I still have three classes left, but I will be finishing up and getting my master's in business administration um, from Whitewater. And uh, did you ask what I'll be? Is that what you're saying? Uh, and, no. What was your bachelor's okay. degree in as well? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, my bachelor's was in environmental science. I got my bachelor's from Regis University, uh, which is a private Jesuit school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a college I was looking at going to prior to my paralysis. And um, it was just a wonderful place to go to school. Like, even though like you go to class and everything like that, they integrate into everything. Like, how ought we to live? Um, and that's really, you know, at the end of that six months when I decided I'm going to do this, like, I just thought back to my schooling at Regis of like, how I, how do I want to live? Like how I, how I should live like my life. And so even though I, like, there were some classes that I loved and all of the things like the overarching thing was, um, how do we go out into the community and be active participants and make society a better place? Um, and so that was like my final push of like, okay, we're going to go do this thing. Let's go. So, so, so Amanda, you are um, obviously pursuing uh, your dream to be on team USA. You are a part of, part of the national team now. Uh, when did that officially become um, uh, part of, part of your life? And just, I know that you're still working to make the official team, uh, but maybe just, for those that don't don't understand like that process and 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 all of that maybe walk maybe uh, walk us through that yeah so um this year was the first year that i put into the pool um but essentially you um i believe it's once a year or i mean maybe once every off year i think after worlds we'll go through it again where mm-hmm. you put your name you have to apply and put your name in the system and it asks some things about you and how long you've played and who you've played for, those types of things. And it puts you in the system. And then they select, um, this year they selected 30 people to come out and do a selection camp. And Mm -hmm. that happened in April. And you go through um, a whole training camp. It's like typically three to four days of eight to nine hours worth of like training and testing and everything you can think of. It was kind of like, my mind was blown of like, okay, we're going to do, you know, you're going to do this drill as fast as you can. And that's fine. But then there was like these little laser trackers on the floor. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, it was intimidating. Like now not only does somebody have a stopwatch, but there's like this laser tracker to like when I cross it, when I didn't. And it was like this whole other level of things that I didn't know um, really existed in the athletic world. so <laughs> that, <laughs> it was that's pretty like, crazy. Welcome to elite performance training, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you're, you're off to Brazil soon. One, you're going to get officially classified there, right? Yes. 
Yeah, so oh, there was that selection camp. And then after that, they chose 16 of us. Um, and then they just, you know, uh, selected 12 of us that are going to be going to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil here next week. Um, some of the 12 of us that make this cut may or may not make the cut that's going to Worlds um, in November in Dubai. Uh, there are a handful of us that are going to Brazil that have not been classified yet internationally. Like we have our national classification, um, but we don't have our IWBF cards. And so we're going to go there. And I think the 10th through the 12th will be uh, classification. And I really have no idea what to expect from that. I know that we had to provide a bunch of medical history and paperwork, and there was a bunch of background stuff that happened there. Um, but then also there's like the, the in-person observation um, that they have to do on in, for the international classification. So. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it'll be your first international competition, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll be exciting. Well, yes, we had a, we had Colorado or not Colorado. We had the uh, Canada friendlies that was two months ago and we played team Canada six times in like three days. Um, <laughs> it was really awesome. Um, feel like we know Canada, at least I know, I know some of my teammates have already played them many, many times, but I feel like I know Canada fairly well now from okay. six games in three days. Um, but yeah, this will, these will be my first like official um counts for something means for something games internationally and this is this will be world qualifiers so we have to place top three in mm -hmm. order to qualify for dubai in november that's awesome i look forward to hearing the the results uh and, and hearing uh your your thoughts afterwards and and let's let's pivot a bit to obviously how, uh your your work and um you work with glassa which is a wonderful Move United uh, member organization, but how did you find Glassa? Yeah. So uh, my basketball coach, I was, Christina, I was working, I was playing for her. And then I was also working as a graduate assistant for her. And last semester was my last full-time semester. Cause I only have like eight credits left that I have to wrap up. Um, and Cindy Hausner, the founder and the executive mm -hmm. director of Glassa, was just kind of reaching out to the community around and said, hey, we have an opening for a program manager. Do you happen to know of anybody? And Christina emailed me and she's like, I hope you don't mind, but I put, I told Cindy that I thought you would be great for the job. And I was like, okay, um, sure. And I started to, you know, I fairly new to the Midwest. So I wasn't super familiar with Glassa, but when I got online and I started looking, I was like, oh, this is like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Like, this is a, it's an amazing organization and I want to be a mm -hmm. part of it. So I was like, thank you so much for sending my information and um, sent in my application and cover letter and super, super thankful that I was selected for the position. Um, so grateful. Yeah. And, and was that the, was that what you were looking for? You know, when you, you know, uh, when you were, uh, doing the data analysis, we're like, I need something that, you know, you know, that, that resonates a little bit more with me maybe, or what? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I love numbers. I love data, but it's, I just didn't want to be doing it in, in the way that I was, um, before I was injured, I did a lot of stuff outdoors. I was super active 
outdoorsy like like construction things and so when I was trying to find a job after I became paralyzed I was like okay like maybe my life is just meant like maybe I'm just gonna have to settle in and work an office job maybe that's just what it's gonna have to be and that's what I'm gonna have to do and working for glass has been so amazing because even though like I have to be in the office and do some of the back background stuff like I still I get to go out and go to the track and be part of track practice or I get to go and like tonight after I'm done here I'm gonna get to go and go hang out with the people at goalball while they while they play goalball um and so it's just really amazing to know that like there's things aside from just like a desk job that do fit for um for people with disabilities and so what you mentioned you're one of the program managers what what does a program manager do at at you know uh, one of our 200 plus member organizations and and what are some of the things that you're looking forward to doing yeah so we do a variety of things um everything from finding because we are a nonprofit so a lot of the stuff we do is reaching out to the community and finding facilities or locations that will either like donate um, their facility or location for us to host practice for whatever particular sport or provided it like a nonprofit um, fee. So we find and locate places to have our practices for various locations. Um, we also recruit and talk to and engage and help out um, our younger athletes and we even have like veterans who come in and do air rifles so I, I guess i shouldn't have prefaced it as younger because we provide support to all of our athletes um and then we also go to our like go to the go to the practices help support the coaches if you know a coach can't be there one day if it's something that you're we feel comfortable coaching will fill in, do that type of stuff. We, we travel with our, with our Glassa team when they go to events, just to help provide support, make sure they're getting to their events on time or their game's okay. And the transportation and everything is taken care of, like that we logistically can help facilitate that. Um, we do like fundraising. And one of the things I'm super, super looking forward to, at least for the rest of the summer is coming up in August we have a uh, camp trek, which is a camp that we offer for one week um, to kids like five to 16 that aren't really familiar with adaptive sport or are new to adaptive sport. So it's really like a ton of outreach to the community um, to get new people that haven't heard of adaptive sport into it. And we just do like a week long crash course of like, here's all the things we offer and here's all the things you can get into. Um, and I think that's probably one of the things that I'm most excited about is getting, um, getting some kids in that, you know, didn't really know that this was an avenue or getting them connected to other people in their community that they haven't met yet. Um, and creating those friendships that will help them get through, you know, the junior high and the high school that's hard for everyone to get through those I well not everyone but I feel like a lot of people struggle through those years of finding themselves and finding their friend group and you know what to do with life and so really helping build that community for them at a young age so that when they do go and get into those years that they can they have a place or they have Glassa to reach out to and find resources for so wonderful and finally Mandy I what would knowing what you know now what would today's mandy tell the mandy that was in the hospital in hawaii what would 
what what are some of the advice or thoughts that you would you would share with her? Uh, don't stop. Don't stop dreaming. Um, and don't put limits on yourself. Because uh, really awesome and important things um, can come your way if you're open to them. And so I feel like parts and times in my life, like I, you know, kind of got stagnant or like had a preconceived idea. And so even now, thank you for asking that question. Cause I think even now in the job that I'm doing that I love, um, reminding myself to like keep dreaming and, you know, not to put limits on things is, is super important to the Mandy that was then to the Mandy that's now to the Mandy that's going to, you know, in 20 years, I think it's always going to be important and impactful to remember those things. 